The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. It's quite possible this week that the Democrats have already lost the 2020 presidential election. There are three reasons, and it is an election theirs to lose. And what are those reasons? Iowa, impeachment, and the imperial presidency. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. One of the operational strategies for which I am well known is something called independent validation and verification. It's a methodology in which a quick study is done to match the strategic goals of a particular project or larger program with the specific enabling technology steps that must be in place. If I were checking out the Iowa app and the Iowa caucus collection methodology, I would have had to fudge because I want to charge at least an hour, right, of my time. And it would have taken me, if I'm really, really generous, 10 minutes to determine that this was going to be an epic fail. Anyone who knows anything at all about technology knows that the first thing that happens when an average user logs into a new system is that they break it. We don't really need to go into a long technical history of why that's true. Just believe me when I say it has never failed in my experience. It's a necessary step in any and all projects that you have to put in that says the first contact with an average user will result in a system failure. And you're gonna have to recover from it. So the project plan itself was a flashing red light. Plus, you know Murphy, Murphy is always present in every implementation of software. Every successful project implementation plan involves a step called rollback. What that means is rollback to the old system if the new system fails, which, as I've already said, we know it will. This is just a good way to do business if you're using any form of technology. In this case, it would have been really simple. They would have fallen back to what they'd done in the past, which was an automated Uh, telephone system where they could just leave their numbers and somebody put them in an Excel spreadsheet and voila, after a couple of hours, you had all the numbers. Or you could have used email. Take a picture of your results, attach it to an email, send it in. What testing they did do was hackability testing. Who does hackability testing and not user acceptance testing? before go live in such a critical moment. 
Well, it reminds me of a blog I wrote way back in 2013 about the epic failure of the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare website, when people had to go and explain to President Obama what had failed. And I wrote a cute little ditty that's called Shiny New Car Paint, But There's No Engine. And it has similar characteristics to what happened in Iowa. Failure to plan, inexperienced people, not understanding that the pretty screen doesn't mean anything if the technology behind it is not thoroughly tested and, and proven to work at the extremes. You might get a laugh out of reading it, but it appears, based on Iowa, that the Democratic Party has not learned a single solitary thing about how technology works or what its strengths and weaknesses are since, well, since between last two days ago and John Podesta's emails being purloined by the Russians for, Wiki, for, for WikiLeaks. They've learned nothing. I'm amazed that Tom Perez has not resigned. He should, because he's responsible for an epic failure. This was the Democrats' moment to shine. A new Democratic Party, a 21st century Democratic Party, technically competent, executing with with speed and efficiency on all cylinders, representative of an increasingly diverse electorate. Looking to the future, bold, innovative, charming, and after a year of campaigning in one tiny state, a state which, by the way, has a two-thirds Republican registration, so you're only after a third of that state's votes, okay? with the entire nation hanging on those results to determine who would most likely go forward in that nominating process, what did we get? <laughs> we got old ideas that were repackaged. We proved again that applicable experience is undervalued by the voters. We got chaos in the count, chaos between the various campaigns, and bad news for the Democrats, a very low voter turnout. In other words, we had amateur hour without an MC. If Monday was a demonstration of the best that the Democrats can do against Donald Trump, they are toast. President Trump was acquitted on both articles of impeachment. There's no surprise there. The only surprise was that Mitt Romney very emotionally addressed why it was that he is the first senator in the history of the Republic to vote to impeach a president of his own party.
and I urge you, if you have time, to go listen to his remarks, on the, which are available on the internet. It was a compelling seven or eight minute speech about conscience and duty and honor and responsibility and the values that we Americans hold close. But it was a great speech, okay? So on this day in which the president was acquitted, nobody's more relieved than Chief Justice Roberts. What a, what a difficult position he was put in. Um, it's a job no chief justice wants. Yes, there it was bipartisan agreement that, the pre that pre what President Trump did was wrong and that he abused both his power and the Congress. But the Democrats have been promising their base they'd impeach Donald Trump since before his inauguration. When, they finally, when he finally did something that was so egregious that Nancy Pelosi was forced to act, frankly, it was too late. Impeachment was already baked into the American political cake. Much of the electorate was desensitized to any argument except it's all political. So what are my two takeaways from today's expected acquittal? Nancy Pelosi knew that she should not go down this path unless she could guarantee that she could kill the king. The consequence, and she couldn't, and she knew that. The consequences will be a complete failure for the Democrats to be able to deliver on any of their 2018 agenda. I mean, it's just gonna go to the Senate and die. 200 bills have already done that. If it got through the Senate, any House bill would end up being vetoed by the president, who's really, really angry. And emboldened Donald Trump, further pushing the norms of his pres presidency is, will be another result. And it will establish, as I've said in previous podcasts, I fear, new precedents of power. Just this evening, Attorney General Barr sent a letter to every U.S. attorney forbidding them to open or consider or undertake any sort of investigation or talk to anyone about foreign interference in the 2020 election without his personal permission. This is the man who suppressed the information of the whistleblower about l'affaire Ukraine. So you can expect there will be interference and it will not be investigated. And that's a sad consequence of not being, of, of spending two years swearing you're going to impeach somebody and then finally having cause to do it when everybody is tuned out or possible cause to do it. I've said repeatedly, I did not think he would be impeached for this. And I'm not, I don't think he should have been impeached for this nine months before an election. That's really not fair to the 27% of Americans who are registered Democrats, uh, I'm sorry, registered Republicans. The biggest, the biggest thing that comes out of, because there will be kerfuffle about the bar letter from here until election day, guarantee it. But what really did happen in this impeachment that might not have been foreseen 
was that Trump was able to use this impeachment to his advantage. Please note that Joe Biden finished fourth, and I do mean a distant fourth, in Iowa. Not only was the president not impeached, but he was able to use the, that impeachment device to weaken his chief challenger. And that, that is a first in history. Last, the third eye, the imperial presidency was on full display in the House of Representatives during Tuesday night's State of the Union message. The historian John Meacham, no liberal he, remarked last Friday evening that acquitting the president on both articles of impeachment would make him probably the most powerful president in American history. The word he used was monarchical, and that's a mouthful. But in last night's State of the Union speech, the president made quite a showing of his kingly imperial power. No matter that the speech was full of inaccuracies and contradictions, many State of the Union messages are, Trump is a master of the medium. It's the pictures, not the words, that matter. He pinned the fifth star on the shoulder of a hundred-year-old Tuskegee Airman while his 13-year-old great-grandson, who was an aspiring astronaut, looked on adoringly. He reunited an army family right there in the gallery of the House of Representatives as an army sergeant, a career uh, non-commissioned officer, returned from his fourth deployment in Afghanistan in full dress uniform. It was a sight to see. He awarded an opportunity scholarship to an underserved child so that she could escape her failing elementary school. And he awarded the Medal of Freedom right there in the House Gallery to Rush Limbaugh, who is suffering from advanced uh, lung cancer, unfortunately, for us. It was quite a show. Nobody's going to remember what the president said. The economy is not growing faster than at any time. It's growing at half of what it was growing in in 2016. He hasn't created 7 million new jobs. Um, and by the way, 40% of the jobs that have been created pay $18,000 a year or less. Try living on that. <clears throat> but again, that, none of that matter. It's the pictures that people will remember. It was a show. And those pictures form an impression that busy Americans will carry away from the experience and into the voting booth in November. It isn't that there is no case to prosecute against the re-election of Donald Trump. There is, of course, a case to prosecute. But it won't be prosecuted with high-minded speeches. To beat Donald Trump, the Democrats are going to have to learn how to play his game and play it better than he does. 
they've got to master the show. And I do mean the show at an Emmy award-winning level. What I saw in Iowa on Monday could kindly be called a middle school talent show. And that's the Reimagine America podcast. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.